1: You are listening to The Next Best Picture Podcast, and this is Dan Bears interview with the director and co-writer for Fingernails, Christos Niku.
0: Have you guys taken the test?
1: Yeah, three years ago, we were positive. Felt like a weight had been lifted. I founded this institute to take the risk out of love. No more uncertainty, no more wondering if you've chosen the right partner, no more divorce. We were the first to build the machines to conduct the test. To make the bond of love stronger. I really want to work here.
0: A lot of famous people study there. Really? Like who? Ginger Spice. She's my favorite. I know.
2: Welcome, everyone, to the next Best Picture podcast, where we are talking with Christos Niku, the writer and director of the new film Fingernails. Christos, thank you so much for joining us today.
3: Uh, Thank you for inviting me, Dan. And... uh, as I told you when I met you in Toronto, I'm always following next, next best picture on all the predictions about Oscars, because it's, I think that they, you are the one who are always finding the ones that are winning at the end.
2: <laughs> we do our best. Thank you so much, Chris Jones. So this movie, Fingernails, so beautiful. So such a unique romance, science fiction hybrid. I'm wondering, there's that opening text about white spots on the fingernails being a sign of issues with the heart. Um, Is that what
3: sparked the idea for this film, or was it something else? Oh, no, no, it was something else. That's something (laughs) that we found after, and we just added it there. Uh, It's about uh, the whole film. I mean, we had the idea when I was trying to understand what is love and uh, why love is so difficult nowadays and why... I don't know, I mean, I'm now 38, 39 almost, and uh, I'm still trying to understand what is love. I don't know what it is and why it's so difficult. (laughs) Why so many people around me, and especially the younger generation, they're swapping right or left with their finger and their nail Mm -hmm. in order to find the perfect match um, through a dating app. And they are letting an algorithm decide about them and suggest them, the people that they should date. When love is something more instinctive and love is something that we just need to feel it. And love is something also that we are having on so many glances between Jesse and Reese in the film, that they're looking all the time at each other. And I feel that love right now goes through screen. And I think that love should go only through eyes.
2: I I love that love going only through eyes. I, that's something that after watching the film, I, talked for hours with with friends about you know there being so many different forms of love there's you know the romantic love there's platonic familial and then and then on top of all that there's also sexual attraction and it feels like this movie in particular is arguing that we sort of need all of these things in order to feel whole or at the very least that just romantic love is maybe not enough to sustain us. Do you feel that way yourself that we need more than just romance in our lives?
3: Oh, we need everything. I mean, yeah. we need our love. Like the song love is all we need. I mean, it's like <laughs> it's, the, it's, the only, it's the only thing that uh, we need in our life because without it, I think that, uh, I, I don't know I, maybe I'm I'm very nomadic and I'm <laughs> and maybe I'm thinking that uh in a maybe naive way but I think that it's uh it's all we need and we need all of these different uh, loves in our life and sometimes when we can combine them in one mm-hmm. person yeah. uh and we can have a person that we are feeling uh like our best friend uh, we can have also sexual attraction and we can have all the romantic it's it's the best and that's what we should try to do I completely agree
2: (laughs) there's a moment in the film where um Jesse Buckley's character Anna asks Luke Wilson's character the head of the love Institute if a person can be in love with more than one person at a time and he says laughs it off and says no silly that's not possible do you think that we can be in love with more than one person at a time? Or do you think that it's often that we confuse lust with love?
3: I think that we can be in love with many people and in many different ways, as Mm. we said uh, before. I think that uh, definitely, I mean, what Luke Wilson is telling them and what the Institute is trying to tell them and what, because the whole Love Institute for me uh, symbolizes the whole society that is trying to teach us how things are hmm. but uh and all these stereotypical even tasks that they are doing about how what is romantic in our life i think that uh, we should not ask uh, we should not listen to to luke wilson so much even if i love him but we should not <laughs> <listen>.
2: <laughs> one of the things that's so unique about this film is the look of it we think of you know the sci-fi worlds and we sort of think of a darker more silver gray blue color palette and this has these really warm pinks and browns um a lot in it and how did how did you settle on the on that sort of look for the film that color palette
3: um we shot the film first of all on 35 millimeter and, uh we try to create something timeless like the whole thing is a little bit timeless because love is also timeless mm-hmm. and um uh we kept even the scratches and everything on film because we wanted to look like an old film. It's like that I I feel that it's like a movie that maybe we shot at the end of 90s uh because the last reference in the movie um uh, um Notting Hill where they're watching in the cinema because uh Hugh Grant is the only guy who knows what is love in this mm-hmm. world. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why i don't know why because, uh, i don't know if it's because of his uh hair or because he's talking a little bit but is it I, I know that i'm going on something else from what you asked me but do you think that notting hill is a science fiction
2: uh, i i think that in some ways all romantic comedies are science uh, sorry,
3: fiction exactly that's what, that's what i'm going to say i mean because <laughs> Do you think that a guy with a book in Notting Hill, will have uh, the biggest Hollywood star coming and uh, begging him to fall in love with her? I mean, it's like... Uh... <laughs> it's a bit of a fantasy. Uh, of course, but I, I love Notting Hill. I'm just kidding. Uh, but it's, um, um, so yes, we selected all these color palettes in order to create this very warm because I feel that most of the times these conceptual stories I'm trying to do something very futuristic, distant, cold the clinical and uh, for me we try to create something very, very warm and that was the whole um intention behind the the choices that we did in the film.
2: I love that you shot on 35 millimeter. It definitely adds to that, that warmth and the sort of like analog nature as opposed to the digital that we're so used to. Uh, but I'm wondering, in the spirit of the film, did you have to pull off any metaphorical fingernails in order to accomplish shooting on film as opposed to digital?
3: Uh, not really. I mean... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not really. Not really. And, uh, uh, and also, uh, you can do also a lot of things, uh, even when you are shooting on film or in a way in the post-production. So, uh, we fixed a few things there, but also we try to be honest, to did also uh, the whole pulling of the nails in a very gentle way. I feel mm. we did not try to show so much.
0: This episode is brought to you by sax.com.
2: Yeah. Uh, this is also a huge, big step up budget wise from your first film, Apples. Did you find that having a bigger budget that you approached how you filmed this in any different ways
3: from your first film? Look, definitely. The thing is that, um, uh, when you are having a bigger budget, you can also dream a little bit more. Mm. Uh, and uh, that was very important for us. I remember that, uh, in Naples, they are describing at one point um, a parachute scene that I wanted to shoot, but we didn't have the money. Mm-hmm. And right now we're shooting a parachute scene, which is for me a reference to—I don't know if you have ever seen *Mouvesan* um, by Leos Carax. Yes. It has uh, the best parachute scene ever. I mean, it's actually the best scene in the film. <laughs> we all love the running scene with uh, *Modern Love* by David Bowie, mm-hmm. but. Uh, that scene, also the parachute scene, is very, very strong in the film. And uh, uh, yeah, if you could say, I, I can send it to you on on a link. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's a great, great scene. And uh, uh, so yes, you can dream a little bit more. And that's the most important thing when you have a budget like this, because uh, you don't have the limitations that in Naples we couldn't move a lot of the camera. We didn't have a grip equipment to move the camera. And in this one, yeah, we we had so much uh, flexibility in that case. <laughs>
2: <laughs> was there anything that because of, you know, like trying all these things and you're dreaming more, was there anything that you did sort of like hit the limit on where you're like, Oh, well, we can't do that. Unfortunately.
3: Uh, I mean, more, I can say with, with a song, we couldn't do it because uh, <sighs> uh, at one point uh, we had uh uh, a song from the best mode in the film uh, that they were dancing in the party. That uh, it cost, uh, I think, two hundred fifty thousand dollars. It was too much for one song, and we couldn't afford it. So <laughs> that that actually
2: is another question that I was going to ask. There are very specific music choices here. You're opening with Total Eclipse of the Heart, um, and you use uh, Yaz is Only You several times. Obviously, aside from the Depeche Mode, <laughs> were were these always the songs that you wanted in the film, or did you have any others that you had to?
3: Yeah, almost uh, yeah. all of them. All the rest uh, are almost there. I mean, because I, uh, we were, that's the good thing also when you're having a bigger budget, uh, that you can have all the songs that uh, uh you want. I mean, uh, in Naples, I remember we were having. I don't know. Have, have you seen Apples, the previous film? Yes. Yeah, I loved it. And uh, we're having a scene that uh, uh, the main character is uh, dancing the Let's Twist again. And uh, on the first draft, uh, it was uh, Billy Jean by Michael Jackson, and he was supposed to dance the moonwalk king. Oh and, uh, but because uh, the budget that we need for that song was more than the whole budget of Apples, uh, we couldn't afford it, so <laughs> you had to find a, a cheaper solution. Uh, so I always love to write all the songs of the script, and this time we kept almost all of them, so it was really great.
2: That's fantastic. It's always nice when you're able to really see that, that vision all the way through. We're coming up on almost the end of our time, and one of the things that... I really loved in this movie this concept that this machine that can test for the true love. It will not just tell you if you are a one hundred percent love match, but it will also tell if you the zero percent or if one of the the couple, one of the people in the couple, is in love and the other isn't, but it can't tell you which one. And I'm wondering which result do you think is the worst to receive?
3: I think that the worst to receive is probably the 50%. Mm. Uh, I, mean, that was, I think that's the one that creates the more doubt. Because you don't know if it's you or the other person. Mm-hmm. And uh, even if... I mean, I don't believe in the result of the test. I don't believe in all these numbers. I don't <laughs> but uh, I think that for the characters in the movie, the worst one is the 50%. Because it creates all this doubt. And... Uh, Maybe, maybe I'm not saying that because for the people that they haven't seen the movie, maybe we will see at one point the fifty percent in the movie. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. I it's really it creates a lot of drama with the the scenes where they do do the test because I y- you're constantly trying to figure well what what does what would it mean for them what would any of these results mean for them, and especially when they you know when they go to redo the test when they're already when they've already gotten a positive test. Did you ever consider you know? Making because I think all of the couples that we see that redo the test, they all it always reaffirms their love for each other. Did you ever consider having any of that those second results be a zero or fifty percent when you were writing this?
3: Uh no, no. We try to to keep it like this. I mean, uh, we didn't want to there was a point that we were thinking for uh the their friends uh, that they're doing it, and it's again one hundred. At one point, to have maybe zero, and they're taking a divorce, and so also that side. Uh, but from the other hand, we felt that it's it's better to be like this. And also, somehow for me, all this uh, these results are they in love certificate that they're taking uh, when they are succeed where they're succeeding, and they're taking this one hundred uh, percent in love certification at the end. It's about it's almost like wedding, like a marriage, like how we're putting uh, on our finger a ring uh, in order to to tell to the world that uh, we are in love. But actually, love is not something that you have to prove, but it's something that you need to work. And you need to work on it every day, like Jesse says in one of her lines uh, when she's having the argument with uh, uh, Jeremy. And... Um, Um, And I think that's what we need. And we need to to fight for a little bit more.
2: You're absolutely right. And I think that's a beautiful message to take away from the film. And that is all the time we have, Christos. Thank you so much for joining us. Before we go, one last question. The question that has been eating at my mind ever since I saw this movie. Who is your favorite Spice Girl?
3: Ah, that's a great question. Because I... (laughs) I never, 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 never hear in my life spice girls. And I don't know, but I never never. But never. I was very young on that time when they had the first uh the first music video, if you remember how it's called. Uh, well, the the one the wannabe. That, yes, yes, the one that they were running. And I remember that when I saw the video, I was like, okay. I am in love with uh, the uh, the one with the black, the Victoria Beckham, the yeah. uh, with the, the post one, yes? yes, the post, yeah, the post. Uh, uh, and I was, I was like, oh my god, I have a crush on her. But then, of course, I forgot it after the next day, and it was almost <laughs> for that moment. And I love so much right now that there is this video with David Beckham from the documentary that he. Uh, tells us that she's the post-spice because she was, have you seen it? The one that uh, sees yes. uh, <laughs> her father was driving the Rolls Royce. Yeah. I love so much this moment. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so she's my favorite one because she was driving a Rolls Royce. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Again, Christos, thank you so Who's much my for joining people?
2: us. My, my, my favorite, has, <laughs> it's the opposite. My favorite has always been sporty spice. Oh, oh, I, that's that's Mel C. Mel, uh, Mel C. Yeah, C, she, okay. she'll kick your ass. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so Christos, thank you so much for joining us.
3: Thank you. Thank you, Dan. Thank you so much. Have a great uh, day. <laughs> Bye. Bye.
1: Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Dan Bear's interview with the director and co-writer for the new film Fingernails, Christos Niku, here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Fingernails will be released in theaters in limited release on October 27th and will be available to stream on Apple TV Plus on November 3rd. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts.